The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JeremyCarthy74. On this week's show, Cork Camogie Intermediate Player, Red FM Radio Presenter, and Love Island Impersonator Haley Ryan joins me to chat Camogie and Love Island. Cork Camogie Senior Player Katie O'Mahony is on the bench to discuss preparations for this year's All Ireland Senior Semi Final. Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie is back to review an incident-packed Austrian Grand Prix and all the latest F1 news. Monster Hockey Piero Graham Catchpole joins me on this week's bench to review the Irish international women's team's 11th place finish at the 2022 World Cup. Cork LGFA senior manager Shane Ronan, players Duran O'Sullivan, Emma Cleary and Sarah Leahy react to their TG Car All-Ireland LGFA Championship quarter-final defeat to Mayo. And we'll hear from Echo Chief Sub-Editor Rory Noonan, who reviews the Cork LGFA seniors' campaign for 2022. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. Cork Intermediate Camogie player Hayley Ryan is busily preparing for her county's upcoming All-Ireland semi-final. The rising Red FM star and radio presenter made a brief appearance on this week's Love Island After Sun show with Laura Whitmore. No, it is a rare thrill to have here on the Big Red Bench with us, uh, one of Cork Red FM's finest presenters uh, as well as that, and now a global superstar thanks to her Love Island exploits. Here to explain all that and Cork Intermediate Camogie. God, is there anything she can't do? Hayley Ryan, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jared. Nice to chat to you. It is. Before we go any further, um, your coverage of Love Island, uh, the hit TV series uh, via Red FM and via your Twitter account and social media accounts has been excellent, including your fantastic impressions of some of the people involved in that. But lo and behold, there we were watching Love Island After Sun last night and you popped up on screen. I know. That was that was actually just as much of a shock to me as it was to, to people. I wasn't on my phone at the time and then I went back to my phone and there was just loads of messages saying I was on Love Island After Sun, which I couldn't because I was like, I'm, I'm fully in Cork, so I don't know where... Where it was coming from, and I just went back and downloaded it, and there, there it was. A lovely moment for you, though. I mean, considering all the work you've been putting into it and covering it, and your brilliant impressions. Um, I mean, like you, you don't get on After Sun, and you know, globally across the world on that show unless you've done something right. So you, it's a lovely thing. It is a lovely moment. It was, yeah, definitely. Even just I was hearing Laura Whitmore say my name, I was kind of a bit <laughs> starstruck. So it was, yeah, no, it was lovely. It was cool. So before we talk about Camogie, because I know uh, Love Island is fast approaching, the episode we both want to watch. Can I just ask you, in terms of Love Island's appeal and its its success and everything that's been happening, I mean, a lot of people like myself are avid viewers of it, um, what your impressions are of this season? Because we're, we're well into it now. We've had some absolutely cracking episodes. And can I just say my own hero, my own favourite, Davide. Davide is your favourite. Yeah, no, I'd be a big fan of Davide and Ekisu. Big, big fan. I, I actually, I love this season. I think it's, it's brilliant. There's no one, what I like as well, it's very unpredictable. I don't think you could tell right now who's going to win. There was no set winners and cast and more and everything threw everything up in the air. So I love it. There's just been drama from, from the start. So yeah, I think it's fab. And we're all about the drama, Hayley, as everyone knows. That's what we want to see. That's what we, what we keep <laughs> tuning in. All about drama, yeah. Um, yeah, Absolutely. Aside from presenting on Red FM and doing a fantastic job, aside from all your Love Island work, you are a Cork Intermediate Intercounty Camogie player and a very good one at that as well. Since we last spoke on the pitch at Parky Ring when you beat Kildare in your final group match 
Um, how have preparations been going? At the, at the time of this recording, we don't know who Cork Intermediates are playing in the All-Ireland semi-final scheduled for Northern Park in Kilkenny on the 23rd of July. But what we do know is that you've been working very hard. But how, have, how are preparations going, Hayley? Yeah, they're going good. I think, do you know what, in fairness, it's just been a fantastic buzz all year long. I think um, the manager who came in, obviously, it was, it was a new management, so it was very tough for them to take on a whole new batch of players. But just from the start, everyone's gelled. We really do get on as well, which I think is very important. I think from one to 31, there's 31 players on the panel and just everybody gets on like a house on fire. Um, and everyone's working. It's so competitive. Um, like there's about two or three for every position. So it's just hell for leather. You can't, you have to have your socks up like every, all day, every day because it's just someone could come in and take your position, you know. So everyone's working hard and I think just buzzing now to be true to an All-Ireland semi-final. Talk to me about Trevor Coleman because as a manager he's been on, on with us on the Big Red Bench he's been brilliant to us all year just in covering uh, the Cork Intermediates but as a manager he seems much like his senior counterpart Matthew Toomey a very good man manager and able to speak individually to players but very very good at coaching as well Yeah he is no in fairness he's brilliant he's, good. he's a great people person you know he kind of takes everyone's interests into consideration it's just I think there's a great balance as well he's, like he's he's serious but he's well able to have the crack as well you know and I think that's that's important when you're in team. So yes, it's an intercounty setup and it's very serious and it's tough, but it's it's important that girls are enjoying it too. And all, I think everybody is enjoying it, whether you're starting or not. It's just everyone gets on, like I said, and Trevor has been brilliant in fairness, and the lads with him have been excellent as well. It's a very competitive environment, as you said, at intercounty level, and the intermediate panel is no different. And with Cork, because there's so many clubs, so many players playing camogie at adult level, like yourself, um, the intermediate is probably just, as you said, the competitive nature of training and the environment that you're in is the best possible preparation for those who will hopefully move on to the senior setup at some stage. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think like there's no difference, really, even from when I went back to Price was playing with Ashburn, which is very very tough college camogie like this this is just as tough really whoever you're marking so yeah I said you know I, I mean our senior team are fantastic and I think there's some excellent players on the senior panel obviously but I think that there's just there's, there's not a huge huge gap and you'd notice that even in training or when you're playing club matches like say obviously last year's senior county final against Inascari you're playing against some of the best players in the county and it's very you can notice very little difference so, you know, there's plenty of girls that I'd have, that I have full faith in everyone on our panel, really. You know, they're all excellent and, and very, very tough to mark. Being an inter-county player, though, Hayley, it takes up all of your free time. Now, I know you're very busy with what you're doing with Red FM, and we're delighted to see you doing so well, and everything else, Love Island Associated as well. But your free time, and with the travel in, in the news recently, and, the, you know, the fuel and the mileage costs for players, it's not easy being an inter-county player, is what I'm trying to get at, but you do it because you're passionate about the sport and you enjoy playing it. But is it easy to be an inter-county player in 2022? Um, it's, do you know what? It is tough, I suppose. I, my friends, I call them my friends from school because I've got my sports friends who I see every day and then I've got my friends from school and I say they forget what my face looks like now at the moment. Even <laughs> just, I, I, I pop in and out of the group chat every so often and I say, they're all oh, here, she is, Haley's typing. You know, cause I just, you just don't have time. Like, you just, you just can't, you know, you only really see the girls that you're playing with. So I see all, you know, at the moment it's even just, I don't even get to see the club girls that often. I might get down to the odd club session, you know, um, but really at the moment all I get to see are the, the girls with, with Cork um, and that's just I suppose that's just the joys of it you, you know we do it because we love it like you said we like I enjoy going into club, or club training of course but I enjoy into county training and the matches and then once once it's over you know there's a short enough season in it so you kind of for the few months that's in it you just put it in and then you get your, your nights out your, 
your holidays with your friends, they'll all come eventually, but you just have to, you have to make sacrifices for the few months that's in it. Does that make it easier, Haley, than knowing because of the split season you'll have time to do that as well as play for your club? I think it does. And you know what? It's enjoyable anyway. I love it. I love going down. And, and not I don't actually love the sacrifices, but in the moment you don't notice it. I don't notice that I'm missing this night out because I'll have another night out. And we make up for it anyway, as you can probably imagine. We make up for, <laughs> we make up for last time. You see, that's one of the things I noticed, though, and I've said it about the Cork senior panel as well. Maybe it's because they've been around them so much at the matches. But there is a nice buzz. I mean, obviously, you're there to do the business, and it's a very, it's a very straight, very serious business that you do at intercounty level. Even at intermediate intercounty level is quite serious because there's a potential of an All Ireland Championship here. But there does seem to be an atmosphere around you between the management and the players, and I noticed it the last couple of games I've covered for coverage that even afterwards you can see that it's not very cliquish. There's a very, very good bond. I mean, that isn't something you can manufacture. It just happens. Exactly, yeah. And it's, there is a great bond. There's great camaraderie on the team. Like, I think, um, oh, geez, I, I have nothing negative to say about anyone. Like, we really do genuinely get on. And I think that's, that's the making of any team. If you don't, you know, if there is cliques and if there is, I suppose, you know, people that don't get on, you won't get far. But I, there's not one click on our on, on our panel. Like I think, mm. from the younger girls right up to the, I won't say I won't say older because I get shot for that. <laughs> but, it's, but the more experienced players, they know themselves who they are. But uh, there's just you could chat anyone. None of the younger ones would feel you know under pressure about speaking to somebody who's been on the panel for a good few years and vice versa. So it's just no, it's a really lovely environment. I I, I really enjoy being a part of it anyway. Excellent stuff. Well, listen, uh, we wish you and the Trevor Coleman and his management team and the Intermediates all the best on the 23rd of July, the uh, All-Ireland Intermediate Semi-Finals, a doubleheader in Nolan Park and Kilkenny, 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock throw-ins. As we record this, we don't know who Cork will be playing, but they will be involved and one step away, hopefully, from an All-Ireland final appearance. Before I let you go, I have to go back to Love Island again because I'm a big fan, as you've probably guessed mm-hmm. at this stage. Ekin Sue and Davide obviously are my favourites and a lot of people's favourites, but I don't know if they're going to win it Haley, this is my point. I think Davide has another explosion left in him. And if they do a movie night like they've done in previous seasons, it's, God knows what will happen. Aside from those two, who has a chance of winning this? See, if the movie night happens now, everyone will know you're a liar. You're a liar <laughs> and an actress. You see, Ger, that's the thing. I, I do know. If, 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 do you know what? I think at this point now, I would love India and Dami to win. And I did go mm. off Dami after what he did in Castlemore, but I just, think in terms of chemistry they probably do have the best chemistry I don't like Luca and Gemma together because I, I don't think that Gemma actually can stand Luca deep down I just think she's probably afraid yes afraid to, to uncouple at this stage yeah 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 I he's think a bit he clingy is, but, in fairness oh my days oh well <laughs> clingy is the word so yeah I think at this point Dami and Dami and India just do you know what I think just for India really not so much Dami he did mess yeah. up the moment, but I do think he genuinely likes her I do I think you can see that that's very, so that's at this point, but we said it two weeks, or is it three? Uh, I don't know. I just want to keep watching like everyone else late in the evenings. And yeah. just finally, before... There's no shame. No, no I, I'm openly a, a big fan at this stage, so I get really cute, <laughs> but I don't care. It's lovely. It's just, it's it's it's, it's the drama, Haley. I want to watch the drama. Oh, it is. Before I let you yeah. go, can you please give us an example of the fantastic page impression that got you on Love Island after, after Sun all around the world with Laura Whitmore? My God, I'm 100%. Like, I 100% am into Jack. Like, I do, I do really, really like him. But he's cheated on me. Like, he's literally done the dirt. I can't cope. I literally can't cope. 
<laughs> oh my god that's scary that's scary good listen <laughs> it's been a real pleasure talking to you as a Cork Intermediate Camogie player and a very good Cork Intermediate Camogie player and also as one of uh, Red FM's rising stars um, where can we hear you uh, on the radio and when, when, when can we when can we see, hear you on your show so Saturday mornings for Saturday breakfast 7am every Saturday if you're not tuning in, you're missing out. That's Hayley Ryan. Um, once again, thanks very, very much. Uh, I'm going to let you go because Love Island's about to start and we both want to watch it very badly. And who knows, Hayley, when, uh, by the time the season is over and maybe when Love Island finishes, we'll get you back on to get your views on that as well because I have a feeling this segment is going to be a big hit. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us here on The Big Red Bench. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for all you do as well for women in sports. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Katie O'Mahony has been one of the Cork Senior Camogie team's most consistent players this year. O'Mahony joined me on the Big Red Bench to discuss her squad's preparations for their upcoming All-Ireland Senior Semi-Final. Thrilled to be joined on the Big Red Bench now by one of Cork Camogie Senior Panel's uh, most consistent players this past year and somebody gearing up for an All-Ireland Semi-Final appearance on the 23rd of July in Crow Park and that is in the Scaris, Katie O'Mahony. Katie, you're very welcome to the bench. How are you? Thanks, Megan, Jared. Delighted to have an old chat. Yes, an old chat, and there's never a bad time to have an old chat. Um, <laughs> yeah. As we record this, um, you are, you know, still two weekends out from, or sorry, two, yeah, two weeks out from playing an All Ireland semi final. Yeah. You're coming off a disappointing loss to Tipperary uh, at the start of the month. So, I suppose, first of all, how have preparations been going since that last match? And the gap between your last match and the semi final, is it a good or a bad thing to have that amount of time to prepare? Yeah, look, we were disappointed with the loss against Tip. Our main aim of the group was to not lose a game and to qualify for the semi-finals. And obviously that last game was a bit of a blip in the road, but we went back to training on the Tuesday after and we had a hard chat and just assessed where we were at and what our aims were for the next three weeks. And we've really, really settled back into training and there's a great buzz again and we know what has to be done for the next two weeks now. So... I think it's a great buzz now and we're delighted to be back in the semi-final. Indeed, it's been a bit of a sprint this season because you've had match after match in your particular group. I mean, obviously, you're away to Wexford, Clare, Dublin, Waterford and then Tipperary um, to finish off the group stage. Um, Katie, I mean, you know, you'd have prepared very hard for this coming out of the Munster Championship in the National League, but what's it been like? Because it seemed there for a couple of weeks, it was like game after game after game and it's a very different type of championship and I know it's your first year up at senior, but it is very different with the split season now. Yeah, it's, it is busy. Like it's, it's hard going for the panel. Like if you have injuries or different things going on, it's, it's, it is hard going, but in fairness with the squad we have, there's girls in and out and in and out for championship games and the trust from the management for everyone is huge. So, it's been very positive few few weeks and very positive championship games for us because we've we've had new players like myself and other players that are in and out and it's just given a lot of experience to to all of us playing together as a team. How did you find the step up? I suppose not so much the step up, but the step into the senior intercounty panel. Yeah, it's been been huge for me, a huge challenge, but I'm really enjoying it and. This time last year, I never thought I'd be saying I was had a semi final, all Ireland semi final in two weeks in Crow Park. So it's huge for me, and I'm just giving it everything and just seeing where it gets me. But hoping to to make a big um, impression on, on the intercounty standard, and I'm doing my best at it at the moment. Anyway, 
You certainly are. And I mentioned the fact that you're one of Cork's most consistent players this year because you are, from when I've seen you and the match reports then that I've read, uh, your name keeps cropping up. I would describe you as a tigerish midfielder who gets stuck in, cliche alert. Um, is that a fair reflection of how you like playing or would you have a much better description? <laughs> no, that's about it, I'd say. Yeah, it'd be just about like giving everything, giving my all to everything, like every single ball is, the most important ball the next ball the next ball you just have to keep going and it would be something that Matthew and the lads would always say that they'd be delighted with my work rate and that's like something I can control and something we can all control so it's something I do bring to the field all the time and I hope to continue to do that. Matthew Toomey is um, sick of being on the podcast with me now at this stage on the big red bench. I, I plague him nearly every week and he's been very, very good to us. I'm only joking. He's been fantastic with us and also for access to the players like yourself. He comes across as a very level-headed guy. And now during the matches, like any inter-county manager, he's roaring and shouting and there's, things, there's decisions to be shouted at and things to be made. But I think that level-headedness that he has and from his time working before you came in with Paddy Murray, certainly, um, is, he, is he that kind of a calming influence? Is he somebody that you can go to and have that chat in the middle of a training session and he just comes across that way that he seems to be a very, very good personable person? My God, yeah. Like, my experience with Matthew the last six months has been huge. Like, he's given me confidence giving a lot of younger girls confidence as well I'm not one of the younger girls but he's given huge confidence to me and as you say he's quiet and calm and at training sessions he's always there but kind of takes a step back at times and steps in when he needs to and he knows he knows his players really well and that really means a lot to all of us and he is someone that we could go to at any stage if there was anything but also we know that we have to put in a performance for him and his standards are really high as well. So really positive for Matthew, yeah. Matthew brought in Davy Fitzgerald this year. I mean, to, there was an awful lot of media attention around it at the time. There still is to a certain aspect. Now, there's Davy Fitzgerald, the pundit and the guy you see on television, you know, uh, in Ireland's fittest family. And then there's, you know, a lot of people look at him that way. But I've got a lot of respect for him for his coaching ability. And I'm just wondering from your point of view as a player, without giving away what he actually does, what 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 has it been like to be coached by this guy? This guy with all this experience, this all earned experience, and the fact that he chose the Cork Camogie setup to to get involved with. What what has that experience been like for you as a player working with him? Yeah, it's been a bit surreal to be honest. From from the start, you know, as you say, he's such a huge name in GA, and you could say what you see is what you get. Like his passion, he brings that. The minute he came with Cork Camogie, his whole life his whole passion is for Cork Mogi and that's like we, we're hoping to bring that out in the field and I think it does come out in the players that passion and his training sessions everything the standards the time everything he puts into us is just phenomenal and like we're very thankful for it but we're we're going to be thankful for for what he does and show him on the field now in two weeks time hopefully. He's not the only part. There's a big man, and David would be the first to tell you this, like that the, the Cork management team, there's, there's quite a lot of people in there and other individuals that are helping as well. It seems like a happy camp so far this year, um, Katie, and I'm not just saying that. You can see it on the sideline after the matches. You can see it during the, the warm-ups. There's a, very, there's a big togetherness about the panel this year, and there has to be if you're going to win in All-Ireland. But the other management team members as well have been just as important. Oh, my God. The, the time and the effort from, I'd say we could have, 10-12 on the management team 
that are there every single night, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, there an hour before sessions, setting up everything. Like it's not Davy, it's not Matthew, like it's all of these people, physios, everything that goes into it. And it is really positive and like all the lads involved um, are just huge for us. And like, as I say, the effort that they put in and the time that they put in is phenomenal. And it doesn't go unnoticed really like we really do appreciate it very well said um the quarter finals of the all-ireland senior camogie championship take place this coming weekend with limerick taking on waterford and dublin taking on kilkenny so yourselves and galway are already through to the semi-finals now you don't know who you're going to play katie in that semi-final on the 23rd but it's going to be in crow park it's going to be a double header and it's a huge day once again for cork um how much are you looking forward First of all, to going up to Crow Park to play an All Ireland semi final, I would imagine it's something that every intercounty player aspires to and enjoys doing. Um, but because you don't know the opponent just yet, um, is it all about? Does that help focusing in on yourselves in the time it's in the time in between the semi final and now, and that you can only talk about yourselves and work on yourselves? Yeah, the buzz is huge, and to be honest, it won't matter who who we're up against. Like it's really about focusing on ourselves and. We know from the loss against Tipperary the things that we need to do ourselves before two weeks' time, and whether it's Kilkenny, Limerick, Waterford, Dublin, like it's the same job that we used to do, and we can only control those things. So the buzz is huge, and we'll be looking forward to seeing who we are against. But again, it, it won't matter much in the next two weeks of preparation because we have to, we have to concentrate on our own things and get those right. Indeed, and look, it's not too far away. And um, you've had you're on such a very, very good run. Obviously, the disappointment of losing to Tip aside, it's been a very consistent year by the Cork seniors. When the championship is all over, and let's hope it's on until the final on the seventh uh, of August, he said. But when the championship is over, there won't be much of a turnaround, Katie. And I know you haven't had a chance to think about it, but the club championship will be coming up really quickly. Um, I know how much you love playing for an Escar. I've seen you playing for an Escar, how much it means to you. But and it's not in your head right now. But does it help? when the time comes that the intercounty is behind you and that then you have the time to fully focus on NSCAR? Yeah, I think, as you said, hopefully we do, we get to the 7th of August and we have a successful year. But yeah, it's 10 days later, I think, that we start back our first championship game with NSCAR and it's round robin for the first time as well with um, with clubs. So it's going to be really busy from when we finish up with intercounty straight into that. But yeah, like it's, it, it is really helpful that you can park what's happened, whether it's celebrating or not, and you can you can give everything then to your club, as as girls do every year. But I do think it it is helpful to have it totally split, and you can focus then on that and be raring to go back for your club then. Raring to go, indeed. Well, listen, between now and then, there's a small matter of an All-Ireland Championship to finish off. Um, you're on the right course at the moment. You'll know who your semi-finalist opponents are after this coming weekend and then on the 23rd of July as I said uh, a double header in Crow Park quarter past three and a half five throw-ins Cork and, and Galway are already there and they'll know their opponents after this weekend but until then uh, on behalf of everybody here at the Big Red Bench uh, Katie Manny, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us and the very best of luck in the meantime Thanks a million for having me dear Thanks The Big Red Bench Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. The Big Red Bench's Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie joined me to review an incident-packed Austrian Grand Prix this week. It also included some horrific race at chance against Lewis Hamilton, a big win for Ferrari's Charles Leclerc, and a big escape from an inferno for Ferrari's Carlos Sainz, plus much, much more. 
Now, it's been another exciting weekend of F1 action following the Austrian Grand Prix, which was won by Yahoo, Forza Ferrari, Charles Leclerc coming home in one hour and 24 minutes ahead of championship leader Max Verstappen and third place uh, Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes, followed by his teammate George Russell in fourth and Esteban Ocon, I always get his name wrong, for Alpine in fifth. But that doesn't tell half the story. Luckily, we have a proper expert here who's feeling a little bit under the weather, so we're not going to keep her too long this week, and that's our resident big red bench formula one expert here on corks red fm and that's sarah mckenzie sarah how are you is the big question how are you feeling good good prioritizing the big things you know Jer. so obviously this conversation <laughs> is up there well i know uh that there's a lot of uh, hay fever and flus and things going around so i'm not going to keep it too long um there's uh before we actually talk about the austrian gp and as excited as i am to talk about a ferrari win we didn't get around to speaking about the W Series and the the recap from the Silverstone race um, last weekend and what's to come. So what about that and how exciting um, how exciting a series is this developing into or is it a one-car race? Yeah, I did. Like you said, we, we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. So I did just want to give a mention to Jamie Chadwick. Um, she took her fourth win in, the row, in a row and kept her record of winning every race so far this season. I think you know, as you kind of alluded to there, it's going to become increasingly difficult for any of the other drivers to catch her. And at this point, we're almost halfway through their season. So there's only eight races and um, we're, we're nearly there now. So I think if she were to win it for a third time this year, it essentially becomes ridiculous to not have her move into a, a higher, better formula. We've talked about F3 or F2 before. So, look, let's see what she could do with the French Grand Prix at the weekend of July 22nd. But I really, really think, you know, when someone is is out that far in front and is showing that much talent, we're, we're going to have to invest in her. Um, it's kind of the only thing that makes sense, really. Yeah, and we, you've spoken extensively about her before and what a talent Jamie Chadwick is. And, you know, she's she's delivering. She's delivering in a brand new series, a brand new season. But the talent, even just from the brief amount of time I've watched some of the races and the highlights of the W Series, and I'll admit that, but she is by far and away, um, she's the Verstappen of it. She's the Schumacher of her era. And she has enough talent that it shouldn't matter um, what sex she is if she's good enough. She's good enough mm. and she should get the chance to move up. And hopefully somebody in F2 or F3 will take that opportunity with her uh, because if she keeps going the way she's going, the W Series is just going to be, it'll be all over halfway through the season. And that's, that's not an indictment of the poor, uh, of the quality of the driving. It's just a reflection of how good Chadwick is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think it does, you know, it's not to discredit any of the other girls. Like you said, there's some drivers in there that have years and years of experience. I just think if you do have that, you know, if it starts to look from the outside like a one horse race, it does become also difficult to attract kind of new fans to sport because they feel like they already know the story so you know you do want to mix it up and and make it interesting for people we've seen that in formula one as well so let's see what happens the rest of the season but she looks to be in a very strong position she certainly does the w series is something we're going to come back to as the season unfolds here uh, throughout the year on the big red bench on our formula one segment on our weekly big red bench women in sport podcast and it's good to see that uh, chadwick people are taking notice just inside and outside of the w series and who knows what the future immediate and long term holds for hopefully it's all good now the austrian gp before we talk about the on track incidents and there was quite a few of them in a very very interesting weekend unfortunately sarah we have to address the brainless uh formula one fans as described by total wolf and sebastian vettel and some of the abuse directed at lewis hamilton um racist abuse uh, there's no place for it in any sport or society but 
unfortunately, it seems to have crept in to Formula One more this year for whatever reason, or maybe it's being reported this year. That's my point mm. on it. Maybe it's always been there, it just hasn't been reported, but it's certainly reared its horrifically ugly head once again this weekend in Austria. Um, and Lewis Hamilton, has, once again, has spoken out about it, that something needs to be done. Um, I'm not quite sure what can be done, but it's it's sad that we're having to deal with this yet again at another Grand Prix. Yeah, it was it was really harrowing to be honest. I like I, I live tweeted the race on Sunday and I was reading, you know, real time experiences that fans were having. Um, primarily Lewis Hamilton fans, a lot of young female fans, um, the experiences they were having at the race, it was absolutely terrible. And I, you know, they're coming away from it saying that they would be scared to to attend another race because of, of what had happened to them. And I think you know, no matter what group it's coming from, no matter where it's originating, I think it's just something that has to be stamped out. Um, the FIA did release a statement on it and they said that, you know, it, it would be investigated, the behaviour, but again, is that kind of empty words or are they actually going to take action? They're saying it's very hard to, you know, pinpoint these people in a crowd of a couple of hundred thousand for me, that's not really good enough. I think we're going to have to really double down on this if we're going to create a safe space for every type of fan, no matter what their background is, um, to feel safe going to a race. Absolutely. And endorse everything you've said there. And just from my own background watching and covering football um, all over the world and watching games and reporting on games, um, in Britain especially, they've, they have made a concerted effort. Kick-out racism, certainly on Sky Sports, the, the satellite mm. channel that, that delivers uh, most of the Premier League coverage, not all. Um, but through its news channels and through its football channels, it's very, very uh, in your face. It's very, very uh, obvious at every match, halftime, advert breaks. It's kick-out racism. We're not standing for it. Within the stadiums themselves over the last four or five years, continual arrests of people making, mm. reported for making uh, racial uh, abuse either vocal or you know making racial uh, signatures or whatever it is they do um you know that has resulted in lifetime bans from stadiums it's resulted in multiple arrests but as you said and it's a very good point you know like even taking where the Austrian GP was held this past weekend I mean there's thousands upon thousands and hundreds of thousands of people drawn across the whole countryside even when they're in Mm -hmm. the stands but you can invest in cameras, you can invest in infrared technology, you can invest certainly in a lot of money and there's a lot of money slushing around in Formula One um, if if it continues and it continues to be a deterrent for drivers and, and as it should be and for supporters, um, eventually the penny will drop with the FIA. Unfortunately, that penny tends to take a long time to drop just for just about anything. But it is possible that restrictions can be put in place. It is possible for lifetime bans on Grand Prix tracks. It is possible for lifetime bans and for jail for people who go who carry out these heinous and horrific things and just Neanderthalax. But it is part of society, unfortunately. But there's no way any Formula One driver or supporter or fan should have to live in fear of it or deal with it. So hopefully, hopefully, we haven't seen the last of it or heard of the last of it this season, unfortunately. Hopefully the FIA will realise what they have and it's a big problem unless they do something about it. I have my doubts, Sarah, but I hope. Yes, absolutely. Plus one to the hope. That's all all we can do. Indeed. Speaking of hope, oh my days, <laughs> my beautiful red Ferrari bringing home a win. And what a win for Charles Leclerc. Bittersweet, as you've described it. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about science and what happened to him. But for Leclerc, Sarah, can I put it to you, as good as the victory was, the duel with Verstappen 
clearly the superior car, but the racing and the manoeuvres and the confidence, and dare I say it, a little bit more of aggressive nature of Leclerc was good to see and uh, maybe caught uh, Mr Verstappen napping a little bit and definitely Red Bull. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I was a, a little bit surprised by how little Verstappen fought back in a couple of the overtakes because there were multiple times where Leclerc did overtake Verstappen and you know even in terms of um, Ferrari tyre management they managed to get a lot longer out of their tyres as well in each of the kind of the sessions that they did and and that was a real advantage over the Red Bull too and I think you could be right. They potentially did surprise even Red Bull with their strength. Um, and they were looking very strong as a duo, obviously, until science went out. But absolutely, I think it was nice to see Leclerc have that confidence and sort of bounce back. It was his first win since Australia, which is kind of bonkers. Mm. Um, but I think he he did, a, he did a fantastic job this weekend. And I think hopefully that momentum will carry him forward again because he had sort of been obviously in a bit of a lull um, the last couple of races. And it wouldn't be a Grand Prix without Ferrari on one hand doing something spectacular and getting the car and the setup absolutely correct for, for the Austrian GP track. And Carlos Sainz's engine goes up in flames in a very scary moment, not at all funny, mm. um, trying vehemently to get out of the car. The car was still rolling. I don't know what that steward was doing that he didn't, trying to stop the car while it's on fire. I think, to be fair to me, at that point, you should be pointing the fire extinguisher <laughs> at the bloody engine and make sure the driver's safe. Horrible scenes. Um, not very nice at all. And uh, a reminder, even with all the safety that's in there, we saw the previous uh, GP, how the the new uh, the new cockpit saved the life um, of a Formula 1 driver. But in this instance, Sarah, very, very, very scary to see signs. Very lucky to get away from the car just as it went up in flames. Yeah, well, it was quite unnerving. It looked kind of just, you know, like a normal engine blowout, you know, as it happened. It sort of, you saw the puff of smoke and he sort of pulled off and it looked sort of all right. And then it was the the speed with, with which the flames sort of started coming towards the cockpit that was really um, concerning. And as you said, the there was a marshal ran out and tried to get a block under the front tire because they could see that the car was rolling. Obviously, Austria is, like a, is a very hilly circuit. But yeah, certainly, I mean, he basically had to stop, drop and roll um, out of the car, which is pretty scary when you're completely strapped in and there's fire creeping towards you. So really glad that he got out of that um safely but just you know obviously obviously very disappointing for him especially after the high of uh, of the previous win but he'll bounce back indeed he will further down the field uh, double points finishes for both mercedes and haas and uh, you wanted to talk about these impressive performances uh, and especially for Hamilton, let's give him another uh, clap on the back here because uh, not that I wouldn't be afraid to praise him, as you know. <laughs> but um, in light of all the rubbish he had to deal with for want of a much stronger term, a real gutsy drive, I think, is how I describe it. And Mercedes, that car is starting to come together. Absolutely. And I actually loved the kind of generational battle that happened between him and Mick Schumacher. I thought that was awesome. Um, people pulled out some really great memes of uh, of him kind of fighting Mick side by side and then obviously fighting uh, Michael side by side years ago and it was great because it happened sort of during the sprint um, on the Saturday and then happened again on the Sunday and it was just nice to to see some pure racing and it you know like you said the the two Mercedes pulled out a really great performance um, 
I think, you know, mentioned for George Russell as well. Mm. He obviously had a, a collision on the first lap between himself and Sergio Perez and ended up sustaining a bit of damage there and also got a five-second penalty and still managed to pull out a really good finish. So, as you said, I think the two of them together and the car seem to be actually really clicking now. And Lewis said that he believes he's kind of completely done a, a 180 and he actually believes now that they could even get a win potentially at some point this year, which is really kind of um, really promising to hear him say that. We'll have to do an hour-long special if Lewis Hamilton wins the Grand Prix this year. I can imagine the in-depth analysis we'll be going into with your good self as he's your favourite driver, for those of you who don't know. You're here on the Listening to the Big Red Bench podcast here with uh, Jeremy McCarthy and our resident Formula 1 expert, Sarah McKenzie. We're reviewing the Austrian GP won by Ferrari, Charles Leclerc. And uh, mentioned as well, as we move down the grid, uh, Mick Schumacher points for the mm. second time this season. And you, you made a very good point that he looks now, he's, is he faster than Magnussen? I mean, he was really upset um, after the sprint because he was behind Magnussen originally and obviously kind of trying to defend from Hamilton and was using the DRS of his teammate to help him to do that. And then Magnussen all of a sudden just sort of pulled off towards the end of the sprint, which obviously made life much more difficult for Mick. And also Mick felt like he was faster in the first place and the team didn't give him a swap. So I think, to be honest, it's actually quite nice to see that aggression come out of him. You know, he's been like a very nice guy um, since he came in. And I think we've been kind of waiting for that spark that we knew was there to ignite. And it looks like it finally has. And I think certainly it uh, it couldn't couldn't have come at a better time because only maybe a month or so ago, we were kind of discussing whether he was going to be in Formula 1 next year at all. So Mm. I think definitely he's um, given Haas something to think about with these last couple of performances. Certainly has, and it's good to see the consistency coming into his driving. I mean, if he, he needs to keep reproduce that, if not improve on it as time goes on, but there's certainly def, there's definitely a spark there, as you would expect with the, with the surname. One quick word, too, for Zhu Guan Yu, and apologies if I've mispronounced that, but uh, the driver that ended upside down and very close, uh, you know, to serious injury, if not worse, at the British mm-hmm. GP, bringing the car home in 14th. Now, I know we're kind of clapping, uh, again, a Formula 1 driver for doing his job here, but I just thought, considering, you know, what he went through and how he went through it uh, to, to bring the Alfa Romeo home, albeit in 14th, gutsy drive again and uh, good to see him do that. 100%. I mean, it's it was literally less than a week from when he crashed to when he got back in the car. It was a matter of a couple of days, really. Mm. And I, you know, it's commendable. I always think even for Formula One drivers who witness those crashes and get back into the car, there's just such bravery that goes into that and many of them have, have talked about the fact that you just have to separate you know the the danger from the reality because if, if you didn't you would probably never get into the car in the first place but at the same time you know it takes huge mental um strength to do that and absolutely dead right to to mention that as an achievement in itself Indeed, and following the Austrian GP, this coming weekend is the French Grand Prix, and ahead of that, the Drivers' Championship looks like as follows. Max Verstappen in the Red Bull on 208 points, way out in front of Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari, now moving up into second on 170. Sergio Perez, who didn't finish in the previous Grand Prix with the Red Bull, he's third on 151, ahead of Carlos Sainz, who uh, obviously went up in flames for Ferrari in Austria, he's on 133. And then George Russell in the Mercedes, rounding out the top five, the Constructors' Championship, as expected. Red Bull soaring off, well, they're not soaring off into the distance just yet. 359 points, uh, Ferrari 303 uh, in second. Mercedes pushing up the table now as well in 237. McLaren in 81. And Alpine also on 81 in joint fourth place. Um, ahead of the French Grand Prix, this, uh, that, that's coming up uh, and before we... 
when we get to preview and all that, where can we find you uh, on social media, Sarah, and get more of your Formula One expertise? Yeah, so I've just put out a new video today, actually, on my YouTube channel. So if folks want to search me up, it's Sarah McKenzie. And if you add the hashtag woman, uh, women in motorsport, you'll find me even faster there. Excellent stuff. Great to talk to you uh, and get, uh, get better soon. And uh, we'll be back to talk and talk all things French GP next time around. Thanks, sir. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Monster Hockey PRO Graham Catchpole joined me on this week's Big Red Bench to review the Irish International Senior Women's Hockey Team's 11th place overall finish at the 2022 World Cup. Now, it's been a while uh, since we talked hockey, but because um, the Irish International Hockey Women's Team finished 11th uh, at this year's World Cup uh, following their 3-1 defeat to China uh, this past week, we decided to bring in our resident expert from Monster Hockey. He's the PRO, and that's Graham Catchpole. Graham, how are you? Good now, Jared. Great to talk to you again. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, obviously, the season has ended uh, on the club scene and on the interprovincial scene yeah. uh, in Munster. But you and I have been following the Irish women's hockey team uh, World Cup. Now, before we get into it, it, it's it's fair to say, look, I mean, at the end of it, uh, in terms of taking the positives out of it, the Irish team should be proud because they finished above their world ranking and 11th overall at a World Cup is nothing to be sneezed at. But is there a case of, you know, opportunity lost here? Uh, in terms of the expectation levels that were there heading into it? Yeah, perhaps, I suppose. Look, I think even to qualify for the World Cup, first of all, it has to be said, was it was, it, was a big achievement for the team. They set the bar, I suppose, extremely high um, last time around with uh, with the second-place finish and the silver medal from the World Cup. So, you know, that there were, it, was, it was always going to be very, very difficult to, to replicate that, particularly with the, with the new squad and, you know, young blood coming through. Um, so you know above their rankings that, that they take that coming out of it although I'm sure they're probably slightly disappointed themselves that they maybe they can get some more positive results Yeah I think that's a fair reflection and manager Sean Dancer has done a fantastic job as you said in getting him to a World Cup I mean obviously the draw against Holland and Germany the likes of these top teams that wasn't going to be yeah. easy but would I be right in saying that Chilean game was the one that really got away yeah, that that that's the one that'll probably annoy them. Um, so I know, like I suppose a game they really dominated in terms of possession and territory, but but one where they they, they were just lacking that finishing touch. Um, probably need to sharpen up on the the short corners. They, they had plenty of chances from the short corners, but didn't convert any. And and, and unfortunately at that level, um, you get punished. And uh, and Chile Chile took their chance and. Um, were perhaps the surprise package of the World Cup actually in the end. Yeah, and this is the thing, it's an emerging nation, a nation you wouldn't necessarily associate with hockey success, but that's a big, big win for them. In terms of affecting confidence, though, from the Irish point of view, as disappointing as it was, there was the bounce back against South Africa. I mean, that was a big win for the team and a very important one in terms of momentum and in terms of morale. Yeah, and, and, and a really good performance as well against South Africa. Um, I watched the game um, live actually, and it was uh, it was it was a really strong performance from the Irishman, and one they kind of dominated as well. And and it, again, like they took their chances in that game, but they could have actually probably they probably could have won that match by more as well mm. um, had they taken a couple more. Um, but yeah, really good to bounce back after I suppose a disappointing group stages. 
Yes, indeed it was. And I think uh, just even the, uh, aside from losing 3-1 to a very good Chinese team, there, there has been quite a few positives in terms of players and in terms of uh, moments. I mean, goalkeeper as well, um, Aisha McFerrin, becoming the joint most capped Irish female goalkeeper. I think it's 118 caps, you can correct me on that. Um, I mean, that was a fantastic achievement for her and to do it at World Cup is a lovely moment as well. Yeah, it was a huge achievement for her. And I suppose... You have five um, debutantes coming through there as well, and um, I suppose UCC's Queen of Purdue maybe been the standout one from a monster perspective. Um, you know, making her debut and um, and really playing a pivotal role in the in the central midfield. So, you know, great to see those players coming through, and you know that they need the experience. You know, at this level, to kind of push on and hopefully, you know, push for Olympics next time. Yeah, that's it. They won't have too much time to think about it, as you said, between the Olympics, between the European Championships, everything that comes very, very fast. But uh, Quiva Purdue is somebody that I'd written down because we've spoken to her on, on the Big Red Bench previously uh, before. She's obviously a player with a huge upside and a big career ahead of her. Um, likes of herself, Shea for O'Brien, as you said. From, uh, from from the Irish manage, management's point of view, they're going to have to take some positives from that. But Sean Dancer has got a fantastic player in Purdue and those other debutants, as you said, which gives hope. And that's the big thing coming out of this. There's got to be hope of a brighter future here. Ah, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think, you know, overall the squad, you know, if you look at the number of caps in, in you know, I suppose, at an individual level, they're probably, you know, quite an inexperienced um, squad coming into the tournament. So, you know, maybe with one or two players coming back for the Olympic cycle, mm. um, there, there's certainly competition in that squad. And, um, yeah, it kind of, it kind of, I suppose, will um, we'll tee things up nicely, I suppose, for, for Olympic qualification and, and hopefully... Hopefully, we'll see them in in, in the in the next work our next Olympics now coming forward. Yeah, and this is the thing. And uh, Sean Dancer name checked that in quite a few of his interviews afterwards. Like Paris twenty twenty four. I mean, I know it's two years away, and it's it seems like a lifetime away, but it isn't because the the next round of the European Championship qualifiers take place in Dublin, and that's coming up in August eighteenth and right. August twenty first. That's the immediate target, as you said, Graham. But the, like, there is a plan in place. There is an opportunity for Ireland to hit their targets and the ultimate goal, as you said, is to get to those Olympics. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's the pinnacle of any, any hockey, hockey player's career to, to represent the country at the Olympics. So it'll be very much on their minds, on the players' minds. And not only, I suppose, will the, 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 the 18 players that went to the World Cup be looking to impress, there's also a raft of, of other players as well kind of going to be pushing on over the next couple of months. So, you know, I suppose that competition in, in, in the squad is definitely going to hopefully breed success into the future. So, yeah, exciting times ahead. Indeed, exciting times ahead for the Irish international hockey team who bowed out of this year's World Cup and with 11th place, fin- place finish following that 3-1 defeat to China. But there were some highlights, including that win over South Africa, as we said, um, and a lot of young players, including our own Munster's own Quiva Purdue, a name we're going to be hearing a lot more about in the coming years. Um, as ever, it's great to catch up with you, Graham. Uh, time will be ticking along very quickly, and at the end of August, coming into September, it will be time to turn our attention here on the Big Red Bench back to Munster Hockey, the leagues, the cups, everything starts all over again. It's like it never ends. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. The summer, the summer is always short. In, indeed, it is. Especially if you're you and you're a bureau and you're so hard working with Monster Hockey. Great to talk to you again, uh, Graham. And thanks for taking the time to speak to us here on the Big Red Bench. Brilliant, sir. Thanks a million. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from six pm. Cork GFA senior manager Shane Ronan, along with players Duran O'Sullivan, Emma Cleary, and Sarah Leahy gave me their reaction to the Rebels' TG Carr All-Ireland Championship quarter-final defeat to Mayo. We'll also hear from ECHO Chief Sub-Editor Rory Noonan on the Cork LGFA Seniors 2022 campaign. 
Yeah, I'm here with Emmett Cleary and Sarah Lee following Cork's uh, disappointing loss to Mayo in the TG Carr All-Ireland Ladies Senior Football Championship quarterfinal in Ennis. Um, Emma, obviously disappointment and heartbreak, but look, looking back at that game, basic errors are what caused a lot of Cork's problems. So look, on a day, another team might have been hammered out the gate. There are things that could be worked on in time. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, <clears throat> so disappointed. I think every girl in the dressing there knows that we didn't perform today and I think we probably... We probably let management down a bit. We were so well prepared coming into today and look, we just had a bit of a slip up and you know, when you're going out playing top teams like Mayo, that's just not going to do like so. Yeah, just bitterly disappointed. It's been a savage effort by the entire panel this year. There's no, no denying that. You were on, on a good run coming out of the group games against Donegal, certainly against Waterford. There was momentum. Was it just that Mayo were that bit better today or is it just kind of, is it feeling now like one that you let get away? Um, I think uh, obviously Mayo were very good and you can't deny that but I don't think we, we got going we didn't get out of the blocks today at all as you said they're like basic errors things that we normally wouldn't do at all um, just started happening and they were happening there even in the last few minutes so look I suppose every team has days like today um, people make mistakes but we'll just have to drive on like maybe um, this could be the best thing to happen to us going forward we'll really have to learn from it and just very disappointed Sarah from your point of view obviously a similar disappointment but look conditions very warm out there today uh, pretty lush grass as well I mean just coming into it he looked he looked in good shape so he fought back to get to point ahead at half time so things were looking good at half time yeah, no, I do think we showed good character um, when we brought the score back. I think we were down, we were in six points at half time and we brought it back to one. Um, but as we said earlier, and Emma was saying, um, just the basic errors and um, Mayo were good enough to take advantage of our errors um, and they were the better team on the day, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, you've been very magnanimous about that, but from your own point of view, and I know it's very quick after the match and very raw, there's still so much talent on this panel yeah. like, and enough to bounce back again next year. Yeah, no, we do have plenty of talent. We didn't do ourselves justice at all today. Um, and as Emma said, it could be the best thing that will happen to us. Um, and we'll know to utilise our talent better in the future. OK, well, on behalf of Red FM, to both of you and the entire panel, thanks for all your help this year and look, hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Thanks a million. Thank you. Uh, Cork manager Shane Ronan, it's a disappointing end to what was such a promising season. Your, your initial assessment of that defeat to Mayo, first of all. Um, <laughs> very disappointed with the display, Jor. Uh, um, didn't perform at all today, um, never really got going apart from a period there where we probably kicked four or five points in a row. Thought we were after getting back into it, we were six down and we were led by a point at half time which we, we, were, we were delighted with, I would have been delighted with that at the way we started the game but too many basic errors, the errors that we weren't making all season, uh, can't really explain that at all. Um, I suppose we, we were trying to get our, our shooting percentages up and I think they were very good today um, but our We've made basic errors that we just haven't been making. Like when you know we're looking at all our stats there, our kick-out percentages have been up in the 90s in every match, and you know they were way down today. And crucial ones went wrong, balls people dropped, passes they gave away they never do, high pass, hand passes when there was simple hand passes on, just some crazy stuff went on out there. Um, incredibly disappointed with the with the whole thing. Um, I'm really going to have to have a hard long look at everything like and uh, see where we go from here. It's one thing, as you said, to get beaten out the gate. That was not the case today. Is it frustration is the most overriding emotion at this stage because errors let you down. On another day, if you rule out those errors, you would have won that game. Yeah, I suppose and that's something we, we tried to work on all year, these, these errors cutting them out. Like, because I suppose that had inflicted cock there. We know the, the game against Mayo or Mead last year, uh, they were you know, some, some, some silly errors having played brilliant football in that game against Mead. 
I suppose we were trying to iron them out this year. We thought they were gone. Um, we had been keeping out the basic errors out of our games, but they crept back in today for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, I thought we were very well prepared. Everything was right. The girls were in good form. Um, I can't put my finger on it. You know, they were very determined going out, and even at half time, we were. I suppose you know the the mood in there was good. We hadn't played brilliantly, but we were still ahead, and, I, and we got first point in the second half, and just didn't respond after that. And in fairness to Mayo, they worked so hard. They had a great system of play. They stuck to the process, and you know, look, hats off to them. They were they were outstanding today, like um, and really recovered from their you know their defeat in the kind of final and their defeat against Dublin. Um, we're just absolutely bitterly disappointed, Jordan. As I said. So we're going to have a long, hard look at, at everything and look, have a look at myself and th think what I'm going to do next year and things like that, you know, because today has really, really got to me now, to be honest with you. Um, I'm really, really disappointed with it. And I can understand the rawness of it. I understand where you're coming from. We've been with you since the start of the year and I can understand how disappointing this is. But I would say to you that there's enough raw material in here to work on and bounce back. There definitely is. I'm not just saying that to make you feel better. You know this Cork team inside out now. You've not had very long with them, but you know them inside out now. You also know, given time, what you need to do and what they need to do. And I, I see a hunger already in some of the players. Disappointment and obviously agitation and frustration and all those feelings. But there's enough raw material here to bounce back and to do better next year, surely. Yeah, look, there is, Joe. Um, you know, but I suppose we just have to look at the way things are being done and what we're doing, and you know, what approach we're taking, and, and you know, and um, you know, and decisions we made were brilliant up until today, and then you know, something goes wrong today, and you're going to have people saying, "Oh, what were you doing with that decision?" And I suppose that's the nature of the game, and I suppose look, it's just very disappointing, and very raw at the moment. And look, I've said to all the players, and they are no one make any rush decisions about retiring or anything like that. You know that they need, everybody needs to sit, sit alone and go away for three weeks and enjoy themselves. Because in fairness, they've been they've been so disciplined with regards, you know, and the way COVID has gone a little bit mad there at the moment. We've asked them there lately to cut out all social contacts, and they have in fairness them. So look, I'm very proud of the effort and the, and the work the girls put in. Like, and I look at my backroom staff as well, Jar. Um, you know, uh, I think. You know, there was a period of time there a few weeks ago when things weren't going great for myself and my backroom team just backed me up and they were they were they were brilliant like you know for people I didn't really know before this year so look I, can't, I have to thank them for the work they do they're, they're not out here front of front of office so look the backroom team and the players have been absolutely unbelievable all year and look I, I my hat goes out to them today because they, they put in so much effort and I'm very disappointed for them and very disappointed for all the lads as well. well we appreciate you talking to us here in the bigger events. You've been outstanding to us all season, giving us access to players and everything. You're a credit to the game. I know it's very raw, but I'll see you again soon. Thanks very much, Joe. Uh, Darren O'Sullivan, unbelievable disappointment, frustration and heartbreak. I think they're the overriding emotions. Just looking around at the Cork players, losing in the quarterfinals to Mayo is, is gut-wrenching with the amount of effort and commitment that you put in all year. But I would counter that with you know you get beaten out the gate you get beaten out the gate but was it basic errors that just let you down today and that's the frustration of that is, is the thing that'll be hardest to get over yeah I was talking to one of the players there and she said I think if we were standing in front of the goal um, with no defence against us we, we were still missing today I I can't put my finger on it but as you said the basic errors um, we were maybe thinking a step ahead today um, you know instead of getting the ball first and then making the decision as to what we do with it um, but credit where credit is due. Um, I think Mayo, um, Mayo's work great today, and their their belief was was unbelievable. Um, on on paper, we would have been favourites today. Um, that means absolutely nothing as soon as the ball is thrown in, and and Mayo uh, showed that today. So um, yeah, credit where credit is due. I know how long you've soldiered with this Cork team, not just this year but down through the years. It's it is heartbreaking to go to the quarter final stage, but don't tell me there isn't enough talent in this team to bounce back. 
Yeah, I suppose it's hard to think of that today now. Um, Shane asked us to not to make any decisions today, um, but there's great underage in structure in Cork. We're competing at the highest levels under 16 and minor, so we players coming through every year, so that's never an issue for Cork football. Um, but yeah, I suppose it is hard to, to look to next year um, after losing that today. It's, it's heartbreaking, as you said. Um, well, look, on behalf of everybody in the big red bench, thank you for all your help this year, not just today. And look, we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks very much. Michael, what a, what a game, what a performance, a two-point victory in the end. Some way to do it. Yeah, we did it the hard way. I suppose my old teams are good at that. But we got a very good start. Um, we have been training very well since the Dublin game. I suppose we qualified out of the group and we, we kind of looked at a quarter-final berth. Um, there's massive belief there. Um, it always needs work, I, I suppose. But like you know, I suppose the start that we got did help that. We went in a point down at half time, and felt no disappointed by that. But Cork worked very, very hard. Like they're a serious team to come back into that game, and um, so we felt that like our fitness would tell in the second half. You got off to a flyer, one five in the opening ten minutes, and then only to account two points in the, in the next twenty two odd minutes. Yeah, Cork used their experience. You know, they kind of went at us, and we were giving away some soft frees um, that we'd be disappointed with. Look, there's loads there to work on, but for for us today, the result is all that matters. When you got going in the second half, though, the likes of Catherine Sullivan and, and Tamara O'Connor caused problems in that Cork defence from the half back line. Yeah, but look at Tam and uh, uh, Sully were, were were wing backs last year, and Tam was uh, an All Star nominee, and you can see why there. Now she was playing wing forward for part of the league with us. Uh, the two, was, two of them were back at wing back today and look, it played excellently and the whole team in, in general <laughs> the whole team in general just worked very very hard for each other and that's what we have to do like we've had a, a lot of disappointments with players not being available but look that panel is showing what they can do when, when push comes to shove I suppose and when he did push forward he did cause Cork defence a lot of troubles at times and the two goals were well taken yeah and I think they just came from the pressure on the kick out like that won't work for every team it worked for us today against Cork we kind of reviewed an awful lot of videos over the last two weeks um, Cork are an excellent side Look, things went right for us today another day they mightn't um, Cork are an excellent side they're the standard bears so for us this is a massive win massive win and the dubs are also out of the championship so the championship now has opened up quite considerably this afternoon yeah look at our ma um, Kerry are playing in the other quarter final that we will meet. Two very, very good sides. One's up to the National League Division Two final to watch them both, and then you know that'll be a big task. But we're in Crow Park next year, and that's what we wanted to be. So we're, we're happy enough. And just from your own point of view, Mike, congratulations on the victory. Energy sapping conditions, the conditioning of your team. What's happened since the group stages to know what's what's been different, or what, what did you move up on? Because this was a sensational performance. Yeah, I suppose it's our first year having a full-time SNC, and uh, it's probably proven there. We did an awful lot of work before the group stages. Um, you know, this was a game that we kind of targeted. Dublin was a bit too soon for us. Um, I felt that just things were bubbling nicely over the last two weeks, and it came right. And look at Shane and his management team are excellent. That's a brilliant team, and like for us to get a win here just puts a massive belief into Mayo football again. Finally, what will it do for the supporters and garnering getting a crowd up to Crow Park next weekend? Yeah, but look, at, I think we're the last team involved left in Championship. It'd be great to see a Mayo crowd there. Um, but look, we just did our part here today and we're, we're looking forward to, the, to, to Crow Park next Saturday. Congratulations, fully deserved. Well done. Thanks very much. Thank you, sir. Now, it is a real pleasure to be joined here on the Big Red Bench by the Chief Sub-Editor of the Echo and EchoLive.ie and that's Rory Noonan who has been ploughing a furrow with the Cork Ladies football reporting and just about everything coverage over the last number of, I, I, I don't know how long actually he can tell me that himself but for uh, the last couple of years where I've been covering the ladies football Rory has been doing so as well and much better than I 
He was there in Ennis in Cusick Park at the weekend when Cork unfortunately exited the All-Ireland uh, Championship at the quarterfinal stage following a disappointing loss to Mayo. Uh, first of all, Rory, you're very welcome uh, to the Big Red Bench. How are you? Great, John. Thank you very much for having me on. And I would have to say I would dispute covering it better than you would, but we won't, we won't argue that one. <laughs> we won't, with fairness. Um, look... You've you've seen you've been you've been on the ground with Cork Ladies football for many many years. You know the ins and outs of it. How first of all, how surprised you've had a couple of days to process it now as well. The disappointing loss and exit at the quarter final stage. How surprised were you that Cork to me seemed just so off it and not on it like you would normally expect them to be at the quarter final stage? I suppose like, we were all very very surprised at, <coughs> at the way they played last weekend, and um, you know, and I suppose credit for part that has to go to Mayo because they were in their faces. They were you know, very aggressive in their tackles without going over the top. And, and they made it very, very difficult for, for Cork to play, um, particularly um, from restarts and kickouts. You know, they pushed up on Cork, they put them under massive pressure. And, and, and at times Cork were, were kind of looking around, almost not sure what to do, which was very surprising because in, in Shane, they have a magnificent manager as well. So, you know, it was just maybe you put it down to one of those days, but unfortunately um, it, it meant their, their exit from the championship for this year. It did, and we would have seen Cork uh, since the Munster final really put up a really good performance down in Killarney to beat Kerry, who have since gone on to reach the semi-finals. They put a really good performance in to beat Donegal, and likewise against Waterford in testing weather conditions. So the momentum was there. We had seen it. We'd been writing about it, Rory. So that probably makes it all the more frustrating. That that seemed to be the overriding feeling from Shane Ronan and all the players as well, too, in fairness. Frustration at just not getting the job done against Mayo. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, in, in the immediate aftermath of the match on, at the weekend, Shane was almost looking around with a, I won't say puzzled look on his face, but like certainly not far off. But like he, he couldn't put his finger on it at that point, what had gone wrong, because, you know, they had been training very well. They had played very well, as you just said, in their previous games. And they had been gaining momentum with every match, which is what something that I was impressed with. You know, as they'd gone through the Munster Championship first, and then following into the All-Ireland series, with every game, there was improvements along the way. And I, for one, certainly didn't expect them to lose to Mayo last weekend. I didn't expect it to be an easy match because you're not going to have it easy against any side in the quarterfinal. And I suppose that the Dublin-Donegal results showed that as well, that there are no easy matches anymore. But I really, really did expect Cork to come through. And I suppose, you know, looking, looking back at it now, there was maybe that period in the second half there maybe kind of from the fourth to the, around the 12th minute where they got 1-5 and we got a point. Was It was a telling factor. That's when the goal, their second goal came in as well, which to me was the killer score. So maybe in that period, I think it was possibly the time that we lost that game. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a killer for them and, and, and like Shane name checked that as well afterwards. And one of the other things that struck me as well, Rory, because you've been writing about this consistently, was that Cork had been improving and there was momentum, but by their own admission, they hadn't put a full 60-minute performance together. There had been patches in all of the games where there was lulls and where they didn't score and they conceded the likes of 1-5. Shane had tried to address that as best he could, you know, in the lead into it. But against a quality opponent like Mayo, they were able to exploit the, the mistakes that Cork were making, whereas in other games, Cork might have gotten away with it. Oh, absolutely. And, and I suppose if, if, if we're very honest, you know, looking at the, at the matches, how Cork were headed half-time was, was almost unbelievable. And I suppose... From from the positive side of that, you'd be saying, "Well, look, right? They didn't play, they hadn't played well in the first half. They're a point up, so now they're going to drive on for the second half." But it was actually the opposite. It was actually Mayo who drove on, and 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 Cork seemed to just, you know, almost go into their shells, which was which surprised me. And and you know, look, looking looking at that uh, start to the second half, 
that's really to me where where that spell where they didn't have that performance by Shane was talking about didn't, didn't putting it in for the sixty minutes. That kind of first 10, 15 minutes of the second half is where we where we fell off this time in in my view. When you look back at the match itself, there was that particular period where we were in trouble. Yeah, and look, it's it just seems like we had dates in our heads. Obviously, we weren't looking too far ahead, and we were paying Mayo the due respect that it was going to take a very good performance to beat them. But know the fact that Cork are out of the championship so early. I mean, Shane made a point of telling all the players in the dressing room afterwards, as he told you in your, in your aftermatch, um, you know, interview, the players not to make any rash decisions for a week or two, or have, take some time to think about it and just get over the loss because there are Rory, whether people like to admit it or not, quite a few players, experienced players in that Cork senior panel, and there is a concern, I suppose, like myself and yourself and a lot of supporters that we don't want to see players retiring and you know players have to retire when they have to retire but there is this nagging feeling that I have that there are maybe three maybe four players that are coming towards the end of their careers and this defeat as galling as it was and disappointing as it was you know they might be inclined to call it a day but but with Shane running at the helm he has shown what he can do in a short period of time and with a full pre-season and with a full year coming into it there's no reason this group of players can't come back and improve on what they did this year but do you expect to hear and see retirements in the coming months? Uh, unfortunately I think there may be a couple but I would hope that um, and you, as you just said there Shane, Shane is, uh, is a very very good man player manager we'll call him man manager but a player manager um, and I would hope that he would be able to convince him to give it one more year and I think he will do that with a certain element of them there may be one or two for 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 their own reasons, um, you know, may may decide to to, to call it a day, um, but I would hope that he would be able to convince the majority of those that may be considering going. And you know, it, it's difficult to say at this point who who those players are because you will always get surprises and and someone will come out of the woodwork and just say, decide that they've had enough that you may expect to be there for three, four, five more years. And so you know, I would hope that Shane would be able to convince them all to stay. Because I think with the combination of the of the, of the more experienced players and like when we're talking about the more experienced players, we're talking about people like obviously Kiro Sullivan, Durno Sullivan, uh, you know Orla Orla Finn, and Mauro Callahan, and you can keep going even 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 Martin O'Brien who hasn't started in the championship this year as a goalkeeper. So, you, know, you would hope these people would stay around because there are some young players there as well to back them up that would that would gain and benefit from them being from being around for another year or two. Yeah, so hopefully. Yeah. We won't see them going. Hopefully, we won't see them going. Yeah. But I do fear that there may be some decide to call it a day. Yeah, and that's not us with any inside information. That's just our gut feeling. No. And we, we share the same gut feeling because we've seen it ourselves yeah. this year. Yeah, it would be unfortunate. But as we said, look, it'll be up to the players. Hopefully, no decisions will be made just yet because, you know, the club championship will be coming around the door, around the corner very, very quickly. And, you know, thoughts will be turning to that. But can I put it to you as well, just finally on Cork? Um, look, as disappointing as the exit was to Mayo at the quarter final stage, that's not to say there wasn't positive throughout the year. I mean, Shane was picking a settled team. Um, the, everybody knew their jobs. And I thought there was a lot of improvement in certain players' performances. Who, what players impressed you, not just against Mayono, but over the last five or six matches in the championship? Um, and how much do you think that, you know, Cork can build on that going into next year? Well, unfortunately, one of the players that, that impressed me during the season was missing last weekend. And I think her um, absence in Laurel Manny was, was a huge loss to, to Cork. Uh, she's been, I think, she's been outstanding in 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 both the Munster and the other games that she has played in so so this season. So I think she was a huge loss to me at, at, at half back because she's the type of player that does bomb forward as well as as being well able to defend. So she certainly is a player that I that I think um, was a huge loss and has impressed me. She didn't play a lot, 
But what I saw of her, I think Dara Canary is going to have a huge, mm. huge future with, with, with Cork. And she's a young player. She's only did her leaving start this year, hence why she didn't have a, an awful lot of game time. But she's going to be someone that's going to be um, a, a star. She's a star in the making. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's others like Emer Meany rushing, feeling at the back again, more rock solid, even like Sarah Lee. He played well, I thought, as well. Um, Libby Covinger was someone that caught my eye as well. Um, you know, she played in a half-forward role and, and did come back and help defensively. And I thought she certainly um, did an awful lot of hard work that maybe goes unnoticed at times. And obviously then the, you can add in the likes of Kira and Darren who always give it everything, or the Finn who give it everything as well. But certainly I think, you know, the, the likes of um, young Laura Omani, to me, would have been one of our most consistent and best players in my view this season. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that's a very good assessment of the players that really shine at, at certain stages of the year. And it's important for supporters, I suppose, of, of Cork Ladies football to remember that as gutting as it is to be out of the championship, it wasn't all doom and gloom. It was a good year for Cork up to that point, And there's lots and lots to build on. Before I let you go, um, uh, Rory, I just wanted to ask you, the, the semi-finals are coming up. Um, obviously, you know, me, they've come true as expected, even though it was a bit tight. Uh, the big shock was um, Donegal and Maxi Curran's side knocking out Dublin. They will face me now. And in the other semi-final, uh, Kerry, a side that we've gotten to see quite a lot of over the last couple of years, um, having overcome our man. I know they beat them in the league, but I still found that a bit of a shock when it came to the championship, considering how good our man are. Taking on our conquerors, Mayo, how do you think those two semi-finals are going to go? Um, very interesting the two of them I think they're going to be very close I actually slightly fancy Donegal to be Mead mm. and a lot of people may disagree with me um, I just looking at the Galway match I know that will do will do Mead and all that a good like and the way it went with such a late score and all credit to me to, to, for Emma Duncan to get that point I think it was 10, mm. 10 or 15 seconds to go to when it was in that area but there's something about Donegal they're, 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 they're a bit like Derry they've been growing and growing I know Derry lost out in the men's but I just think they may, may just, they're, they're going to put it up to Mead and they're going to go into the matches underdogs, which will suit them down to the ground. And they could could cause a slight surprise there. Um, the other match, I can't see Mayo losing to Kerry, to be honest with you. Um, uh, no disrespect to Kerry. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're improving every season. They're, they're a fine side. Um, there's an awful lot, a lot of hard work going on down there. Daryl Long and Declan Quill are doing some great work with, 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 this, with, with that squad. And they are getting better and better every season. But I genuinely believe that that, that the win over Cork is massive momentum for Mayo. And I think that Mayo will come through that one. And I'm going for a slight surprise in the other one and saying, I, I'm, I'm saying Donegal to beat me. Well, we'll hold you to those predictions when the under All-Ireland final comes up and we, pre- and we preview it here on the Big Red Bench. But in the meantime, as ever, for your expert analysis and all your coverage of ladies football and all the sports you cover in Echo and Echo Live, you can read Rory Noonan throughout the week um, on Echo Live today and in the Echo newspaper, the Chief Sub-Editor. Thank you for being on the Big Red Bench. My pleasure, John. Also, just before I go, I would like to thank you for your help as well during the year. You know, without without that help and backup at times, you, you can't do your job. So I would like to put on record as they say, my thanks to you as well. Thank you very much. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan, and guests between 6 and 7 p.m. on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels, as well as visiting our official website, redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m., Cork's Red FM.